this morning, we're going to jump into Romans once again. We were in Romans last week. This week, we're going to be in Romans chapter 14. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. We are continuing on in our series, The One and Others. The one another. Three weeks ago, Pastor uh, uh, Pastor Jason started off with serving one another, and last week we talked about honoring one another, and this week we're going to be talking about how we are called to not judge one another. We're called to not judge one another. Has anybody here ever felt old before? Anybody? Where, where are my 18-year-olds that are like, oh, you're speaking to me, Pastor, my back this morning. Stop it. Stop it. All right? Listen, this week, Pastor Karen and I uh, were in the office, and Pastor Karen brought up this amazing show called Super Dave. Does anybody remember Super Dave? Wow. Okay. Thank you, my friends. That's amazing. Where were you on Wednesday when I needed you? So we, Pastor Karen brought up Super Dave, and we had Nathan there, and our amazing intern uh, was there as well, and she just looked at us like, what are you talking about? Now, this show is an absolute classic, and Nathan looked it up for us and let us know, hey, all the people that want to know, you can watch it on Global, and it's out there. And it was just this this weird show of this, like, this stunt guy who was trying to do, like, evil Knievel stuff, like, on his bike and jumping all this, and I remember watching it at seven years old, and I remember this show was a classic, and I looked around the room for support, and and, and, and our intern, and, and Nathan were looking at me like, bro, I cannot help you. And I could see in their eyes, they didn't say it, but I could see it in their eyes. They're like, wow, like to be able to reminisce at such a time gone by, right? Like, wow, like this is really special for them. Like, look at Pastor Karen and look at Pastor Mitch. Like, they're just, wow, like that's so cute. And I remember walking out being like, wow, like I'm at that place now where I'm old. I just like, it just kind of set in. It just set in. And I actually went home that day. And I don't know why, but it just so happened that that same day, my son, Sawyer, who was just with us, looked to me and said, Hey, Dad, you got gray hair in your head. I was like, what is happening? Like, is God trying to set? Like, okay, God, like, I get it. I get it. Keep it coming. I'm just ready to receive that this morning. But it also reminded me of what it was that we were going to talk about uh, uh, this morning, that there are times in our lives where as things are playing out in front of us, as things are taking place, it is easy for us to be in a situation where we don't see eye to eye. It's easy for us to be placed in situations where we don't fully understand where the other person is coming from. It's easy for us to be placed in situations maybe where our lack of knowledge or our lack of understanding or our lack of awareness of what's going on can, be, can place us in a position where we begin to feel uncomfortable. One of the easiest ways to deal with this uncomfortable situation is to either make light of it, to downplay it, or to make fun of it. To begin to cast words towards that direction that remove the onus of having to understand where that individual is coming from or what it is that they're trying to communicate. And I just want to encourage each of us today that when we're in situations like this, the one thing that God has called us to do is to make sure that judgment is left out of our vocabulary. Amen? Amen. Now, I loved uh, the, the experience that I had on Wednesday because there was no judgment, right? There was actually like, he didn't, Nathan didn't have to look at on global that he was like, hey, you can go back and relive your childhood. Like, woohoo, like good for you. But we need to make sure in the church that we don't find ourselves in these situations and respond in a way that makes the individuals that God has placed around us feel less than. 
or walk out of that situation with negativity. We are called not to judge one another, but to love. And so last week we talked about how we are called to look up, look in, and look around in order to honor one another. This week we're going to dive into Romans chapter 14 and see how not judging one another can unlock something special in the spirit for all of us. Ultimately, over the next couple of weeks, as we continue through these 11 one another's for the summer, we hope that this series will inspire and challenge each and every one of us to love others in a deeper and more meaningful way. A great reminder for us this morning is that we are not called to walk this road alone. Amen? We are called to walk this journey out with one another. Let's pray. God, I pray in this space, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would begin to speak to us even now. God, to, to remind us of our primary call, Lord God, to carry each other, Lord Jesus, to lift each other up, to encourage one another. God, I pray that this house, that Life Center Canada, God, that we would be known as a family who hopes. God, I pray that we would be known as a family who believes. God, I pray that we would be known as a family who encourages. And Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that any of the negative stereotypes that surround the church, Lord God, that we would not uh, uh, send those for, but instead, Lord Jesus, that we would stop them dead in their tracks and instead, Holy Spirit, help us to represent you well. We ask that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to be turning to Romans 14. Specifically, we're going to read uh, starting in verse 13 together. But I want to just jump back to the beginning of Romans chapter 14. At the beginning of Romans 14, if you have it open, you can begin to read it on your own. Paul challenges his listeners that we are called to live in harmony. That we are called to live in a spirit of unity. Someone say unity. Come on, someone say unity. This is what we are called to. That when others would enter into our, our, our house of worship, that when others would enter into our workplaces, that when others would maybe buy a house down the street from us, that they would understand that there's something different about this place because someone here represents Jesus. We are called to unity. And Paul, at the beginning of Romans chapter 14, begins to describe disunity in the church as those who are strong and those who are weak. And, God, and Paul specifically calls out people's dietary restrictions. He begins to say, listen, there are those in, in, your, in your congregation who are strong, but they're being challenged by those who are weak. And he specifically comes for the vegans. He says, listen, I, I need you to stop just waving your carrots around. All right, just listen. We love that you love broccoli. We love the cauliflower. That's amazing. But stop acting like it's like it's, it's just this elevated thing. And so for the vegans in the room, no, I'm joking. But it's amazing to watch because dietary needs were something very specific to the culture. You'll see it play out in many of the letters that are written. You'll see it play out in the book of Acts that as the Gentiles, those who uh, were not Jewish, were being called into God's kingdom, some of these dietary restrictions became a point of friction. And so Paul is elevating that, not to say that, that, that this is the specific thing that he wants. He was just using it as an example. But he actually said that those... 
who have these deep convictions in their life about where it is that they're in their journey with God, that as the weaker Christian, you should not challenge and make the stronger Christian to feel less. What was he saying here? He's flipping the idea that many of us have. There's a lot of time it's in Christianity where we struggle with this idea of what does it mean to be elite in the kingdom of God. Hello? What does it mean to be elite in the kingdom of God? But, but Paul here challenges each church member, each member of the church, to be aware of where the Holy Spirit is challenging them. Where is the Holy Spirit challenging you? And is this an area that is like, it's a salvation issue, or is this specifically an area where God is calling you to be closer to him? They're not the same. Hello? They're not the same. Listen, I love the hymns. Where are my hymn people at? Woo! Listen, when, when Amazing Grace plays, like, I, like Pastor Sarah knows me well enough to do another song after Amazing Grace. All right? If we sing Amazing Grace, you can't do Amazing Grace and then give me the microphone because I'm just a mess, right? I'm just like, I'm just crying. There's snot everywhere. I'll come up and try my best, but it's just not my moment. Amazing Grace hits me in this place that like, I just know that God is speaking to me there. I was raised in a church that loved hymns and we sang them every day. But now when I sing that song, my son looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? Can we bring it down just an octave? Like, can we add just like a little beat in behind? Like, where's the like bop, you know, right, right? I'm like, oh. But this is an area in the church where I've seen in generations past where there's been a lot of disunity. Where people have taken what it is that the Holy Spirit and the journey that they've been on with, with, with a specific style of music and they have taken their own personal journey where the Holy Spirit has led them and they have begun to say, listen, this is the only songs that we can sing. This is the only place that we can go. Church, can I encourage you this morning? God is at work in the current generation. God is at work in the current generation, and they are going to have God revealed to them in a unique and powerful way that is specific for this generation, that they can reach their friends and the generation to come. And that's not to belittle what it is that God has done in the past, not at all. Our testimony of what God has done in those songs is important. Paul, at the beginning of Romans 14, he's challenging the church. He says, listen, it is important for you to explain why you're on these dietary restrictions. To explain the journey that God has led you to at this point. But don't think that what God is doing in your life is what he has to do in everyone's life. Come on. What does the Bible say? We are uniquely and wonderfully made. Come on, we are uniquely and wonderfully made, so why do we get this overwhelming sense and desire to have everybody in the church look the same? No, we are called each to our own accord so that the world can be reached through his church. In unity. In unity. Paul specifically calls out those who have these deep uh, uh, challenges and convictions by God. He says, listen, walk out in those convictions, but allow those around you to walk out in theirs as well. Promote unity above all else. Verse 13 says this, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. If you have that in your Bible this morning, I want you to just underline that. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. 
Paul is calling the church to unity. He's calling the church to a brand new place. The church that Jesus is building is different than the church that the Pharisees were trying to push forward. The church that Jesus is building amongst the Romans is different than what the Sadducees, these, 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 these believers that had walked the earth when Jesus was there, they were actually promoting a church that was foundationally built on judgment. It was full of restrictions. But here Paul says, Let us therefore not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know then I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Or, translated spiritually, it is unclean for anyone where the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's not for you. This is why our personal relationship with God in family is so important. We can be challenged by where it is that God is leading other people. We can be challenged by where it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking. But we also need to be sensitive to what God is speaking to us. There are those in this room, God is going to call you specifically to different people groups and different cultures and different places in this city. And you don't need to look like me. My desire is, is that one day we will see all of Ottawa represented here on a Sunday morning. That we collectively could look around and say, wow, I can't wait to see where God is going to take you. I can't wait to see where God is going to take our sister. Because I know that wherever it is that he's leading you, there are going to be people that are going to come back. And they're going to find Jesus in this place. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying there are no elites in Christ's kingdom. Whether from distinctions of knowledge, wealth, power, office, or anything else, all are one in Christ. Hallelujah. There are no elites in Christ's kingdom. I, coming up in church, uh, I remember the, even the, the, the baptism of, 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 of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's this, this unease in people's experience in their journey with God where if they hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, they felt like they were less. And I, I remember counseling, even when I was just young in ministry, counseling this older individual who'd been praying for this experience for 50 years and didn't understand why God God didn't love him the way that he loved other people. But is that our God? Does our God love in any way other than equally? There are no elites in Christ's kingdom. Standing up on this stage today does not make me better than anybody else in this room. Hello? We are a room full of strugglers trying to run our best race after Jesus Christ. There is only one in this room that is perfect, and his name is Jesus. And it is his example that we follow. When it comes to our, our, our musical differences, when it comes to our dietary restrictions, when it comes to the clothes that we wear, the sports teams that we cheer for, just because you're a Maple Leafs fan, does it make you better? Thank you. No, we are all equal when it comes to Jesus. He sees us all as his loving children. And we are called to be a people of encouragement. 
So let us not in our own convictions set up our convictions in front of others that as maybe they are new to the faith or understanding who Jesus is. Uh, I remember asking God this prayer. I, I watched this young lady come in and she was so full of God's fire. She was so full of God's passion as he set her free. She had no previous church experience. And I watched her look around the room and look at the other Christians that were in the room, these other high school students, and I could see the desire in her life why don't I know what they know? Why don't I understand what they understand? But what she didn't understand, and one of the conversations that I was having with God was that this young lady, as she was set free, she started to bring out friend after friend after friend to our youth group. After three weeks had passed, she had brought 12 students from the local high school to our youth group. And I remember looking at her and, and telling God, God, please, in everything that you are, Lord God, let my students look more like her. Don't let her look more like us. It was a very sobering prayer as a youth pastor because I don't know if you've experienced this, but there's a time when it comes to being in church where you can start to turn church into just a habit. You know what I mean? Where church can become just ritualistic. Where church can become just something that we do. Where we lose the awe. Where we lose the passion. Where maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, don't judge one another. I've heard that before. Sure, you've heard it before. But is it in your heart? Is it sitting there in the core of who you are where you say, listen, the reason I can't do that is because I am called to represent Jesus. God, let us remember our first love. Let us run back to who you are. Lord, for those of us in this room who have been walking with you for a long time, Lord Jesus, let us not, let us not think ourselves better than someone who just comes to know Jesus today. There is a challenge and a unity and a beautifulness that can come with walking with each and every individual as they are on their journey with God where we can learn from those who have walked with God for 50 years. There is a wealth and a knowledge in that testimony. But those of us who have been walking with God for a long time, there is a lot to learn from someone who is fresh in the faith today. To be reminded and awe-inspired to see the cross again with new eyes. To remember, wow, this is why. This is why we say, God, wherever it is that you're taking the next generation, even if you know they want to get up on Sunday and just scream into the microphone and call it music, okay. Okay. But God, I can worship you in what you're doing, no matter what it is that's being sung. And to release that next generation to fall, fall head over heels in love with Jesus. That is our desire. That is where unity wins. Where the next generation can look around and say, wow, all of these people, they know what Super Dave is. I have no idea what that's about. But man, do they love me. I know that my music isn't for them. I know that my clothes are not what they would choose to wear. But each and every time I see them. They cheer me on. This is the church. Amen? Verse 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Wow. 
By what you eat, do not destroy the one from whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as being, being spoken of, I, what you regard as good, be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, there are salvation issues. Amen? When it comes to the cross, what do we profess? We believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and was risen again by the power of the Father. That is what we believe. We stand on that. We believe that there is only one way to enter into the heavenly gates. There is only one way to enter into eternity with God, and that is through claiming Jesus as our Savior, acknowledging the work that he has done. These are immovable facts that regardless of where we're at in our, in our journey with God, along those lines of convictions and walking with the Holy Spirit, these things do not change. But if you're here today and you want to have holes in your jeans, God bless you. $180 for half a pair of pants. That's great. But isn't it sad when things of so little confidence can create friction between those who God has forgiven much? We carry these things so, so closely to us. Our, maybe our love for education. Maybe our love for certain types of music. Maybe what it is that we feel like Sunday best looks like. But none of these things should be placed in front of others as a stumbling block from them walking out their relationship with God. Church, we are called to be unified. See, there's so much focus uh, in Scripture and in Christianity of what it is that we're called not to do. But in hearing this morning that we are called to not judge one another, I also hope that you hear the call of what we are called to do. That we are called to love one another. Hallelujah. That is our challenge. When we're walking through the Ten Commandments and all the do not, so many times in Christianity, the the focus can be on what we are called not to do. Don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. But we forget what we're called to do. See, there is, there is, there is sin in, in not following the Ten Commandments for sure. But there is also sin in not following what God has commanded us to do. We are called to love God with all of our strength, with all of our heart and all of our mind. And anything else is not of Christ. Come on. And we are also called, what was the other commandment that Jesus, that Jesus added? That we are also called to love one another. So we would love ourselves. And to not do that, church, come on. To not do that is sin. We are called to leave behind the judgment and instead to pursue righteousness and instead to pursue peace and instead to pursue joy in the house of the Lord. I believe that this is a reminder for us this morning to put these things first when we are together. See, Paul was in complete harmony with John and the other apostles in denouncing lovelessness as a fatal offense. If we profess to know Jesus, if we profess to live for Christ but know not love, 
Those two things don't add up. Verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or drink, wine, or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. For whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. When Christians are divided and viciously attack each other over such things as clothing, hairstyle, dietary habits, etc., outsiders are given permission to make sport of Christianity. The Christians themselves furnishing the basis of the deprecations and thus becoming the principal hindrance of their missionary impact on the community at large. Why is this important? Because we are called to be the image of the invisible God. It's not the coolest. Like, that's the coolest. Like, when your friends and your co-workers and each and every one of us in this room, when we want to know what God looks like, Christ's challenge for us is to look around. Like, isn't that the coolest? Like, isn't that awesome? Like, we are called to represent Christ. And this is where I believe the real challenge and the real place uh, of redemption can come from this morning. For years, for maybe a generation, there has been this, this, this allegation towards the church that the church is a place where you can go to be judged, where you can go to be made, fail, to, be made to feel less, where you, can be, where you can go to get called out for all the things that you do wrong. But is that the church? My cry from my heart would be no. But I wonder, has these, have these allegations been earned? Have we allowed judgment to be how others see Christ? As we bicker and, and, and dispute amongst ourselves, as we make these small things into huge salvation-type issues, instead what the world begins to see is that Christians don't even understand who it is that they are called to love together. But instead, my desire is that our church would be one of hope, that our church would be one of joy, that our church would be one of freedom, where those that don't know Jesus could easily come in and meet him here today. And it may not be in my preaching. It may not be in our song and worship, but it may just be in an interaction with you who have come in as well. To whereas those who don't know Jesus come in and they're surrounded by people who represent love. They're surrounded by people who represent grace. They're surrounded by people who at the very core of their being just want to cheer someone on today. Man, you can meet, you can meet Jesus in that, amen? Beloved, this morning, if we sat down, your ton closest friends... And ask them to rank your favorite things. Where would they say that God lands on that list? Spiritually, once we announce our faith, we stand as a representation in that room for Christ. What an opportunity. 
Your friends, your co-workers may never darken the doors of a church. But each and every day when God sends you out of your home, the church meets them. This is why we are called to love. This is why we are called to encourage. This is why we are called to stand in unity. Because maybe somebody in your neighborhood, maybe somebody in in, in your workplace, maybe somebody in your high school doesn't look a thing like everybody else in this room, but we need them here. They need to know that they are accepted and loved because as Jesus meets them, then he will release them to go into the world and reach the rest of his children. Because church, there is not a single life present on this earth that God doesn't want to set free. Amen? And so this is our call today. Why do we not judge one another? We do do not judge one another because our call is to love one another. Our call is to go back back for one another. Our call is to encourage one another, to see what God is doing in someone's life. And even if we don't understand it, if it's something that is actually opposite from a salvation issue, to say, listen, I don't know why you listen to that music. I don't know why you dress that way. I don't know why this is something that you hold so dear but beloved I love you and I love Christ in you and so because of that play that song once again you teach me the lyrics of that I don't know if I can sing it but I can stand here and at least I can appreciate it why did you choose to wear the clothes that you choose and and in and Paul's time specifically well why do you choose to eat the things that you eat these are important things that we can learn from one another if you are here this morning i just want you to take a quick look around there is so much to learn in this room today god has brought the world to canada there are cultural things that we can grow in this morning as francesca stands up and begins to lead in spanish i love that I love that. I love the release of what it is that God is. I don't understand a word that she's saying. But I sense the Holy Spirit in it. This is heaven. We are at practice here for what eternity will look like. We are called to love God and love one another. And so this morning, if you are here today and you have a hard time with this because it's not necessarily even your own judgment, but that you have sat in church, you have been a part of Christian fellowship before and felt that judgment. I just want to take a moment this morning and apologize because that is not who we are called to be. We are lovingly to call out sin in each other, to encourage each other to look more like Jesus. But on the things where it's personal convictions in the Holy Spirit, beloved, we allow each person to go on their journey with God. I do not need anybody in this room to look more like me. What I need in this room is for each of us to look more like Jesus. That that would be our drive, our hope, and our joy. That each and every one in this room would represent Christ as Christ is represented to them. That's where freedom lies. Amen? And so this morning, how do we not judge one another? Well, first off, with our parents, sometimes they're just right. 
Sorry, students, I had to say it. Last week I said, listen, last week I said, listen, honoring your parents doesn't mean just doing what they said, right? I was like, oh, the poor parents, I shouldn't know. But this week, I want. how do we not judge one another? Sometimes your parents are just right. And it is okay to walk away from a conversation, not fully understanding where they come from, but out of that love and out of that desire to understand that you don't have to go away whispering things under your breath. How do we not judge our kids? This morning, I think that we, not, that we don't judge our kids by remembering that we can learn something from that generation that's coming up. God is going to do a new thing in the lives of our junior highs and our youth. I believe it. There's going to be a new revelation of who God is. When we're praying for revival, I want to encourage you that revival isn't going to look like what it's looked like before. There may be traces and trails of similarity, but as God works revival out in this new generation, it's going to be fresh and for them. There is something to learn from our kids and from our neighbors. How do we step into this week and not judge our neighbors by remembering that they don't know Jesus yet? but he's still at work in their life. Come on. There's this beautiful thing, and I don't know if you remember it. When you come to Jesus for the first time, one of the most amazing things that happens is that as you come to Jesus for the first time, you start to remember all the times that Jesus was already there. Isn't that the best? For your coworkers, for your loved ones who don't know Jesus, when they choose to make Jesus Lord, the Holy Spirit will illuminate them, will, will show them the times where he was already teaching them. He was already showing them. He was already drawing them close because this is what I know. Not one of us chose Jesus first. We were first loved and responded to that. And so how do we look around at our neighbors? How do we look around at our world that may not properly represent who Christ is? How do we love them well? We recognize that God is still for each and every one of them. He loves them so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. Whosoever believes can experience salvation. Salvation is not limited to those who find themselves in church on a Sunday morning. Hallelujah. But for those of us who are here today, who know God as our Lord and Savior, the call is that our world would know him because we know him first. So this week, why do we not judge one another? Because that is not our call. Our call is to love. Our call is to support and to encourage. Our call is to surround ourselves with people who can see Jesus through a different lens and learn from what it is that's there. Before I call Francesca back up, let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much, and I love you so much. And I thank you for this challenge today. God, as for Kanata Life Center, I I, I just believe that this is a reminder this morning of who it is that we're supposed to be. And God, I pray that we would put this stake in the ground and say, God, as for this church, we are going to be known for love. We are going to be known for unity. We are going to be known for joy. We're going to be known for new salvations. We're going to be known for baptisms. We are going to be known, Lord Jesus, as a community of people who do everything in their power to run after you. Christ and Christ alone. 
So, Lord Jesus, I pray that in each and every one of our lives, God, right now, God, if there are areas where we need that illuminated, God, where we need to be reminded of things that are personal convictions, things that you have done in our lives, things that we find in you, Lord Jesus, that we would hold those things, Lord God, as valuable in our relationship. But God, release the pressure of putting it on others. God, I pray that we would be unified as we run after you. When it comes to those salvation issues, Lord God, those are not personal convictions. Those are convictions from your word. And so we stand on those. But when it comes to things of preference, Lord God, I pray that we would look different. A gathered people under one house that are hungry to run after you in everything that we have. So Lord Jesus, this morning, help us, God, to not judge one another, but instead to love one another as you have called us. And we ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.